Let us pray. Father, we believe that all Holy Scripture is written for our learning, and so we pray by your Holy Spirit that we would so hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest this, your holy word, that we would be changed more and more to be like Jesus for the sake of the world. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. We just witnessed something amazing. You, you couldn't all see from where you were seated, I know. But the words, to hear the words is enough. To hear the words that these 12 candidates and another eight of them, nine of them, at the 9 a.m. service, all washed of sin. To hear that these candidates, they're no longer candidates, that the baptized have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. To hear that they have been lit on fire with the, as the light of Christ to shine in this world. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to behold a baptism. But here's the question that we must ask as the baptized, or you may be feeling the need to ask. Is, did our baptism work? Did our baptism have the effect that these words say it has? Do we see marks and signs that this baptism actually has had an effect in our lives? I know I'm the only one in the room that maybe struggles to believe at times that the baptism was really effective. I look at my life and say, do I see it lining up with the power of what's promised at that font. It's a little bit like the little girl who is at home in the kitchen with her mom and she's reciting her Bible verse and it's the baptismal text which we read just a moment ago from Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before others, she says out loud, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And then she walks across the kitchen and punches her brother in the arm. And the mom says, what about your baptismal promises? She says, you know, sometimes, mommy, I just blow myself out. The question is, do you feel like sometimes you blow yourself out? Like your baptism doesn't seem to be having the effect you want it and long for in your life. Well, here's the good news. If you turn to our text from Romans 6 today, here's the good news for the baptized. And this is good news for the baptized and good news for the unbaptized, because if you're not baptized, these words are for you. The invitation is there. Come and receive all this as well. But here's the good news for the baptized this morning, who may at times feel like, did my baptism take? The good news in Romans 6 is that though we rebel against our baptism, oh, you know we do, though we rebel against our baptism, our baptism is our reality. What God has done in you and in me by grace through faith through these waters is reality and cannot be undone. Though we rebel against our baptism, our baptism is our true reality. And it is the reality that we must and can return to each and every day. 
It is the reality that we can reset and return our lives to each and every day. See, first, we have to acknowledge that we rebel against our baptism. Just before our passage in Romans 6 begins at verse 3, in verse 2, Paul asks the question, how can we who have died to sin still live in it? How can we who've died to sin still live in it? It's the challenge of what it means to be a Christian awaiting the final consummation of the kingdom. For we struggle, we are washed, we are baptized, and yet there is still sin at work in us. In fact, one of the reasons that people will often leave the church statistically is because they come to the church, they come to faith in Jesus, and they suffer some kind of major moral failing, and then they walk away. Why? Because they say to themselves, I guess it didn't really take for me. They believe the lie that their poor performance has somehow indicated that God's promise, in fact, didn't work for them. And they slink and hide away based on a lie. But the truth is, every single Christian, the baptized, will continue to struggle with sin mixed in with this new life that God has given us. Luther had a term for it in Latin, simul justus et peccator. It means simultaneously saint and sinner. It's the reality of the life we live now. We are a mixed bunch. We live a mixed life. Fundamentally, we have been washed and made whole, but we still rebel. Yes, rebel against our baptismal nature. Perhaps these words from Brendan Manning will sound familiar to you. Perhaps these sound like they could have been pulled out of some people's journals. He says, when I get honest, I admit I am a bundle of paradoxes. I believe and I doubt. I hope and I get discouraged. I love and I hate. I'm trusting and I am suspicious. I'm honest and I still play games. Aristotle said that I am a rational animal. I say I'm an angel with an incredible capacity for beer. This mixed reality of rebelling against our nature is why the baptized must be a repentant people. A people who repent, who acknowledge our rebellion. You know, one of the charges often brought against Christianity by those outside the church is, oh, you think you're holier than thou. You've heard that? I used to say that when I was an atheist. I used to say of Christians, oh, you, I think you've got it all together. You think you're better than everyone else. You think you're holier than thou. It's not true. The truth is every single human being on this planet lives in rebellion against Almighty God. The difference is the baptized are repentant about it. We all are rebels. Be careful if you think you stand lest you fall. We are all rebels. What's critically important is that we are repentant rebels. When sin is identified, we seek to turn from it. You know, it's interesting if you go through Europe, in many places, 
you'll see roosters on top of weather vanes on top of churches. Some of you are nodding. You, you've seen these roosters. And you, and you may wonder, what's the rooster on top of the weather vane? And, and, and some tour guides have made stuff up that's not true at all. They've invented some other sort of history of this. Do you know what the truth is? It's a ninth century papal order from Pope Nicholas I, who said that every church in Europe shall have a rooster placed on top so that the faithful, as they come to church and walk through the community about their daily life, would be reminded of those words that Jesus said to Peter. Yes, Peter, one of his inner circle. Peter, the rock under which he would build his church. Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. We must always be reminded that the rooster will crow in our lives, that we will rebel. This is the constant reminder. But it's a reminder of good news. For in 1 John 1 verses 8 and 9, John, another one of the inner circle, says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. He's speaking as a baptized believer. If we The baptized say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, hallelujah, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to acknowledge the fact that we rebel against our baptism. But though we rebel against our baptism, our baptism is our reality. You can't change the reality that God has won for you, what is really real in your life. Verses 3 and 4 in Romans 6 go on to say that do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, listen carefully, Baptism has all happened. We've gone into death with Jesus in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Did you catch that key word right in the middle? It's a tiny little word. It contains the entire gospel. As. As Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too walk in newness of life. It's a little word that has so much power. And we see it in other key moments in the New Testament. For example, John 13, when Jesus is giving the church a new commandment and says, you shall love one another. Well, love one another. That's good. That's interpretable. You know, my version of what loving another, well, no, he doesn't let us interpret. He says, love one another as I have loved you in the same way, in the same measure, to the same degree, love as I love. It changes everything, doesn't it? That little word. Same thing about our mission as we go out into the world, right? Jesus in John 20, verse 21, says that we're to go and be his witnesses, right? I'm I'm sending you. And you go, oh, that's great, we're being sent. Well, just a second. He actually says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Oh, wow, suddenly that mission looks a lot bigger and crazier and adventurous than a moment ago because of that little word, as. You see how the gospel is contained in this word? And so it is here. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too 
might live in newness of life. In other words, the same power of God that was poured into that tomb on Easter morning to raise Jesus' dead body to life is the same power that was poured into you when you came by grace through faith to the waters of baptism. The same level of power and authority and glory that was poured out to raise Jesus from the dead lives in you. Yes, that's what scripture says. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too walk in newness of life. This is your reality. You can't stand against it. Your poor performance can't undo it. This is the glory of God that has been poured out for you by grace through faith. I think of those words we're going to sing near the end of our service. Oh, perf. I can't read. Oh, perfect redemption. I'm just going to say it. My voice is so trash right now. No, I'm not. I'm not going to say it. Oh, perfect redemption. The purchase of blood to every believer. The promise of God. Listen to this. You should weep during the second verse of the closing hymn. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus full pardon receives because the glory of God that raised Jesus from the dead has now been poured into your life and mine. Do you hear that? As Tim Keller says, Jesus did not come into the world to make bad people good. Jesus came into the world to make dead people alive. And he has done that in your life and mine. You know, one of my favorite movies is an old movie. I only discovered it a few years ago. I've got several favorite movies, but one of my favorite movies is Beckett. Now, I'm talking about the the O'Toole Richard Burton. You know, Peter O'Toole, Richard Burton, Beckett. Please, some people in the room nod that you know what I'm talking about. That Beckett? Okay, the rest of you need to solve that before the end of the week. So, (laughs) Peter O'Toole plays Henry II. I'm totally going to ruin the movie for you. It's like spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. But Peter O'Toole plays Henry II. He's not a very good king. He's really upset with the way the church is kind of ruining his life as king, right? Church and state. And so he has this brilliant idea. He says... The king appoints the Archbishop of Canterbury. So he says, I'm going to appoint my buddy, my crony, the guy who's super loyal to me, Thomas Beckett, to be Archbishop of Canterbury. And then the church will do whatever I want. And so he appoints him, and Beckett and him kind of laugh about this, like, oh, this is going to be crazy, you know? And Beckett comes for his ordination and his consecration, and something changes in Beckett. And you watch Richard Burton's transformation as these words and the power of God and his glory is poured upon him in this moment of consecration and he begins to be changed. He's not the same man. Despite all of his worldly ways, Beckett is being transformed into something else by God's decision. And as a result, he begins to stand up against his former friend, the king, to the point where he drives the king crazy, that famous line, who will, who will, uh, who will rescue me from this meddlesome priest? And he sends the knights out to Canterbury Cathedral and kills the Archbishop of Canterbury right there on the steps. The steps of the chancel. 
It's a really happy movie, I swear. But the point is the transformation. Not because he earned it, not because he even wanted it, but because God willed it. And so it is that your reality and mine has been made manifest because God has spoken over your life in these words of the font. Though we rebel against our baptism, our baptism is our reality. And Paul says we can return to it. And that's, that's the amazing gift. Because it's our reality, because it's not fading away, even when we fall away, we can return to it. In fact, Luther said that we should return to our baptism daily. That daily we should return to that place, acknowledge again our standing in our baptism. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 of Romans 6 says, you also should consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Consider. You think that's not a very strong word. Actually, in the Greek, it's really strong. It's the word logizomai, and it means think about reality. Acknowledge the logic of the situation is what that word means. Really Take hold of the reality before your eyes. Consider this. Think on this. Acknowledge it. Live into the reality that's before you. That's what he's inviting us to, to return, to reset ourselves. Because here's the truth. Whether we feel it or not, you and I are washed in Christ Jesus if we've come to him by grace through faith. We are washed And we are ready. We are living this new life. Not because we've earned it, but because God has done it to us. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It all happened because of the great swap, or as Luther said, the great exchange. I've referenced Luther three times in this sermon. I swear we are Anglican. But the great wondrous exchange where God took everything that was sinful on us and placed that on Jesus on the cross, bearing the punishment. And he took everything beautiful and pure and sinless about him and placed it on to us. By grace, through faith, you have been saved, not by works. This is the exchange that has gone on. In the words of 2 Corinthians 5, he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. It is to this reality that we are called to reset our lives, to not constantly define our reality and consider our reality based on what the world tells us about ourselves or to look within and say, oh, this is what I think about myself. Those are both very unhelpful. The only true reality that will tell you the truth is what the water says about you. And we reset ourselves to it. We return to that place again and again. I mean, look at the Texas Rangers. I think they teach us a lot about returning to our baptism, returning to our reality. Like, just let me be clear. Last year, not a great year. 94 losses. This year, 
Not that much better of a year. I mean, 90 wins only, barely getting into the wild card spot. But then something of the postseason changed, didn't it? Suddenly they started winning games like crazy. What happened? You know what happened. They did what all athletes, all professional athletes are trained to do. To learn to face down the reality of failure and reset and move forward afresh. This game today is all that matters. And they did it and they won the World Series. If only we could get the Dallas Stars to follow the same suit. (laughs) But this is what it looks like for us as the baptized. We rebel, but this is our reality. So each day, consider what is your reality. Return, reset to that place. For as Paul says in Philippians chapter three, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God. It's the reason we put our baptismal font at the front of our churches so that every time we walk through those doors, regardless of how much we've rebelled, that we can be reminded that that's our reality and we can reset afresh. So did your baptism work? Did your baptism take? Did it have its effect? Of course it did. Because it is God at work in you. Do you not know, as Galatians 3.27 says, that all of us who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.